What's up, everybody? It's Michael. I know it's been a long month without um, the Unchurched podcast, uh, but there's been a whole lot going on, and uh, we're getting it through it together and successfully. So we appreciate everybody's support and uh, willingness to hang on in there uh, with us. And uh, <clears throat> if you've unfollowed us at this point, come on and follow back. We're back in the grind. Uh, today is going to be a solo ep with just me. Uh, Sean is still in the thick of uh, his stuff he's got going on right now. And... Uh, Send out a prayer for him and his family, and uh, we will get him back in here, back in the saddle, uh, as soon as we can. But for now, you got me on the mic by myself, so let's have some fun. Happy recording day. Hey, welcome to the Unchurched Podcast, where your hosts, Michael and Sean, discuss issues of church, life, and religion. No subject is off limits, and our honesty and humor drives our discussion. We welcome you to sit in on the conversation and laugh with us as we challenge serious things. So pour your drink, kick your feet up, and let's get started with the show. bunch has been going on let's see the entire month of july is over at this point right um at this point of the of this recording actually hell this episode ain't gonna come out until august 1st (laughs) so happy august everybody uh we totally missed the entire month of july um but that's all good um so what's happened in july we had the fourth. That was fun. Cool blog party. Had a blast. Um, storms were a bitch, but we got through it. Still didn't have any flooding. But holy crap, this was the wettest July that I could remember in my entire life. Uh, number three, I turned 39 on the 19th. That was cool. Thanks for all the birthday shoutouts. That was fun. And... Um, I got the solo stove for my birthday, which was awesome. And right after I'm done recording here, I'm going outside to light it up along with a cigar and sit down with a nice glass and uh, coast into the evening. Um, So there's my highlight. Um, And uh, there wasn't too much pain for me during that time, but it was painful enough. I didn't get a chance to get behind the microphone or didn't take the chance. I truly believe you do what you want to do, but I didn't take the chance to get behind the mic. Uh, Sean and I have been in conversation, communication all this time, and, um, you know, we both decided, hey, and let me go ahead and get back on here and um, get some recordings in there and just go solo for a while until he's able to come back. So um, that's what we're going to do. Sean Dizzle, we miss you, and uh, we're going to get back in this saddle. So. Uh, today, though, tonight, I do want to 
discuss something that, uh, I don't know, it's not new news, but I've been working on this episode. Uh, I'm so rusty right now, so you're just going to have to bear with me and just rock with me for a little while um, while I get my get my sea legs back, get my recording legs back. Um, so Uncle Joey uh, Biden has been denied communion uh, over and over again, uh, quite a few times now. And as many of you know, he is a uh, Roman Catholic. I cannot remember who was the first, um, uh, first Catholic. I always forget how to spell Catholic. It, it, the O comes right after uh, <laughs> the TH. Anyway, the he's the second, right? So uh, John F. Kennedy was the first uh, Roman Catholic president. Um, but Joe Biden is the second one. So this is interesting, right? He is being denied communion uh, because of his stance on abortion. He's pro-life, uh, not pro-life, he's pro-abortion. And the Catholic Church has this stance against uh, abortion where basically you can be denied communion, which is very, very serious, right? Uh, to be denied Holy Communion is, frankly, according to the way they believe it, is to be denied Christ. And so I, I want to... Uh, Obviously, you got the bread and the wine, right? So the bread represents the Lord's body, and the wine represents his blood. And I'm going to get into the scriptural aspect of it, but I want to break down why he's being denied uh, communion. So there, there are only a few things that can get you denied communion, first of all, according to the Catholic Church. One is abortion, or your stance on abortion, if you will, if you're a politician. Or anyone, anyone for that matter. But and and here's where the rub comes in for me, uh, because you got the entire left, <laughs> pretty much, that is uh, pro-abortion, and many of them, majority of them, actually, I don't know of any of them that have been denied communion. But Joe, Uncle Joey, is getting denied communion. Um, and I, I kind of feel like it's a big power grab, uh, for the Catholic church. It's, it's not about the, the stance on abortion. If they're still allowing Nancy Pelosi to partake in communion or anybody else on the left that claim to be Catholic that are still receiving communion, they're not being denied, but he is. And like I said, I didn't vote for the Joker. I, I don't really, you know, I, I care about the truth, which is why I want to really talk about this tonight. Um, another reason to be denied communion is for capital punishment, right? Your stance on capital punishment. And Joe Biden is against capital punishment, and he has made it one of his aims to end capital punishment in the U.S. Um, so he, he gets... a. Uh, a thumbs up from the Catholic Church on there. Uh, one of the other reasons, or uh, one of the other big major reasons for being denied communion has been historically uh, same-sex marriage. But
but since uh, same-sex marriage has now been deemed legal in the U.S., uh, that's been lifted, and the and the church has begun serving communion to uh, same-sex partners. Believe it or not, a lot of churches are doing that now. Maybe not all of them, but if I remember correctly, it's the Catholic bishops, the the ones that oversee a region that actually sets that rule, um, going down for their region. So, Biden has been refused. Uh, communion several times and you know the Eucharist is what they call it in the Catholic Church and and what's so interesting about this is that the the Eucharist they believe that it is the literal body of Christ and they believe that the wine is the literal blood of Christ that during the prayer and the ceremony of the Eucharist that the bread and the wine is literally transposed or translated into the literal body and blood of Christ. And my the rub that I have with this is like, if you truly do believe that, why would you deny anyone the ability to receive the body and the blood of Christ? Because frankly, there's no scriptural reference for denying anyone. Like we're, we're as Christians, we're supposed to be, uh, <laughs> we're supposed to be sharing Christ with everyone, no matter what their political beliefs may be, no matter what their religious beliefs may be. We should be sharing Christ with everyone. The gospel is, and should be, available to everyone. Right. Paul um, <laughs> said in Romans 116, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to all who believe. All you have to do is believe. And that gospel is is for you and saves your soul. Salvation is a result of faith in Jesus Christ, not in living a perfect life or abstaining from a particular sin. Perfection isn't the requirement for receiving love of God. It's faith in God that lifts that umbrella that keeps you from being able to receive the gift of his son, Jesus Christ. So if we truly believe that according to scripture, because that's what scripture teaches us, why would you deny anyone the Eucharist or deny anyone the Holy Communion, the highest of sacraments in the church? Now, there's other sacraments, right? You know, like baptism is a sacrament. And so it, it's a holy ritual and it, it's, it's symbolic of the Last Supper, right? And we've talked about Holy Communion before. Like it was instituted after the Last Supper, the, the, the fulfillment of the Last Supper is communion. It's the fulfillment of Jesus doing the last acts on this earth, his last few acts on earth, fulfilling the prophecies that were spoken about him. Believe it or not, that whole Last Supper, that scene, that whole thing was actually prophesied in the Old Testament. 
And so that was actually part of the fulfillment of Christ uh, fulfilling all of the prophecies that were uh, spoken about him before he stepped on the earth. Anyway, so hopefully you get my rub. Like it's, <laughs> no, that sounds dirty. Salt, pepper, garlic, baby. Um, the, the, the communion, in my opinion, should not be denied to anyone. We're to the Unchurched podcast. This is what we talk about. This is what we do. Like, I'm all for um, these rituals, but I believe that they should be kept in context of Scripture and what the original purpose of them, of, of, of it was. Um, so we'll go from there to this guy... Uh, and I'm going to put links to all of this stuff that I talk about tonight. This bishop, this high-ranking dude who was supposed to be overseeing, um, he was the top administrator for the U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops. He was actually going to be... Uh, spearheading this discussion this debate because this has been going on for a while right so um biden was was being denied communion back in 2019 um and and so they've ramped up the discussion you know since his presidency trying to talk it out trying to debate it out like you have the second catholic bishop in the history of you know the nation you have the second one and um you're denying him communion and throughout his entire career in public office he's been going to mass every single week and taking communion every single week and now you're just being a dick about it and you want to make an example out of him because of his higher profile now and i think that's wrong but like I said, this comes from the top down in the different regions, right? Like even the Pope is staying quiet on this. He's not saying anything about it. I don't think, at least I haven't read uh, any official statement from the Pope. But this guy was talking. Did I say his name yet? Um, uh, ba -ba 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 -ba. Monsinger Jeffrey Burrell. Now, if you've already heard this, more power to you. This just came out um, uh, July 21st. And I've been wanting to talk about it since then. But anyway, I'm talking about it now. So this guy who uh, was all about denying uh, uh, Uncle Joey the sacrament, he uh, it says that he fell victim uh of a surveillance and morality police. So essentially what happened was he was tracked on Grinder app <laughs> and uh, soliciting sex at gay bars. He's been frequenting in his nightlife, frequenting gay bars and, and he's been getting tracked on Grinder. So he's an active subscriber to Grinder. Which is a gay hookup site, right? Or application. 
he just, as this news came out, right before this conference where they were to start debating this, he was the administrator for the U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops, uh, they were going to actually talk about this concept of denying our public servants the sacrament because of their stance on abortion. He was going to be, he was the administrator for this. Now, take off your conspiracy theory hat. I have a hard time taking it off too. I, like as soon as I heard this, the first thing I thought was, yeah, absolutely. If he was on the side of, yeah, let's deny him the sacrament. If I was in Biden's corner, I would say, yeah, absolutely. Let's dig up some dirt on this a-hole and get him out of the way so that uh, we can get homeboy some crackers and wine. That's my conspiracy theory. Whatever. At the end of the day, he still did what he did. He's been tracked on the app and he's been frequenting uh, gay bars, visiting gay bars. That's all the report tells us, right? And so this is on the Washington Post, but I've got a link to this in the show notes as well. Um, but so there's a there's a something called the Pillars Report, you know, which is this this report that comes out. Basically, it, it's a a newsletter, if you will, that that helps to uh, shield the Pope from different shit anyway it's all pro-pope pro-church stuff um this guy and, and they said on there you know trying to defend the guy basically not trying to defend him but trying to defend the church in that uh you know the church has had this this stance forever that if you're going to be a priest you have to take this vow of celibacy no marriage no sex, you know, especially no same-sex relationships. Um, your work should be solely to the cross and nothing more. And I've said for years that I think this policy has been a huge travesty for, uh, for the priests. Like never, ever being able to ever again get laid and for some of them never get laid for the first time at all uh and not just that and i don't mean to sound like a hornball but never be able to uh enjoy the the touch and intimacy of a woman oh my god that is it's heartbreaking it's terrifying uh to go the rest of your life in service of the Lord and never ever be able to father children. That's, it's huge, man. It's a huge commitment. And I truly believe that out of that commitment, that false burden, a burden that according to scripture, God never asked of you, um, has borne a lot of abuses in the church and has been a catalyst for a lot of abuses in the church. And this publication, you know, talks about that and, and how a lot of, you know, priests have gotten in trouble because of this rule. And here you go. Here's another example. This guy climbs up the ranks 
um, in the in the U.S. church and has this position of leadership, but now gets his dirty laundry gets uncovered. Here's the thing: I don't even give a shit about the grinder. I don't really give a shit about the the gay bars. I've been to gay bars. I've never been on Grinder, but I've got family members that are gay. They're like, hey, let's go to this bar. And it's like, all right, fine. So we go to this bar and all of a sudden I'm sitting at the bar and just, you know, saying, no, thank you. I'm straight. No, thank you. I'm straight. No, thank you. I'm straight. <laughs> I've been there. I, I, I have literally been there. Not a big deal. Um, but this guy, his entire career is ruined. He stepped down from his office and, um, and now is, is done. His service is over because of the shit that he was doing in the closet. And again, I've got no problem with what he was doing. Dude, if you want to be on Grinder, you be on Grinder. You want to go to a gay bar, you go to a gay bar. If you like dudes, you like dudes. If you like girls, you like girls. Do you. Do you. But here's the rub. If you're going to deny a man communion because of his stance on abortion, knowing that same-sex relationships are also um, grounds for denial of the Eucharist, and you're doing that, you're the pot calling the kettle black. And that's where we're wrong. Again, I've got no, pro- I've got no problem with Biden's stand on abortion. I believe that it, everyone should be allowed to do whatever the hell they want to do. I really do. And I truly believe that God has the same stance. I've said this on the podcast before. Uh, I preached a message years ago about abortion. And I made a startling statement. I said, I don't think that God is pro-life. I think that God is pro-choice. Excuse me. I truly believe that God is pro-choice. I believe that God has given us free will and allow us to choose whatever path that we choose. And though he may not agree with all of our choices, because I don't believe he does, because he can't. He's perfect in his moral purity. He's perfect in all moral purity. That is the definition of holy. But amidst all of his holiness... There's never any, you know, you you do what you want to do. You have the free will to make the choices. He doesn't control the things that we do as humanity. That's when people are like, oh, if there's a God, then why is there all this death and suffering and violence and da-da-da-da-da? It's simple. Because God allows it. That's why it's here. God allows it. God allows you to be an asshole if you want to be an asshole. And at the end of the day, his love for you is still greater than anything that you could ever imagine. And his heart for you, it's still greater than, it's the well that never runs dry. He'll never reject you. He'll never push you aside. And his arms will always be open for you, no matter what you do. That's the truth about God's love. Now, does he hate sin? Absolutely. And I know it's just cliche, but 
yeah, he hates sin but loves the sinner. And I know that's very, very difficult for us to fathom, but you're talking about a love that's perfect, not a love that is fickle. So I've been on Instagram and I keep seeing this thing with Chris Rock. He gets up there and he says, and I'm sure many of you have seen it, he says, women, children, and puppies or dogs are the only things that receive love unconditionally. Men, on the other hand, (laughs) are only loved conditionally. And that condition is on that you provide some value. You give me something. And obviously it's stand-up, he's joking, but he's also speaking a lot of truth as well. The fact is, is that the way that we love each other is fickle and is very conditional. But when we consider God's love, we have to consider it from a point of unconditional love. And, and because of our biases, we have a difficult time understanding that. It's one of those things, as far as I'm concerned, in, in my walk, and, and as long as I've been a Christian, is one of those things that I've just had to learn to accept. Because my the way that my worldview is shaped, and yours as well, it's, it's shaped by our environment. It's shaped by our experiences and how we grew up, our parents, and the amount of love that we received, not the amount of love that we were given, but the amount of love that we received, the, the, the capacity that we had to receive it. And all of that is shaped by so many different factors. But when faith comes in, you realize that God loved us so much that he gave his only begotten son to die for us, to die for the sins of the world, where every sin that we could ever commit or even fathom was placed upon Christ as he went upon that cross. And the blood that he shed and the death that he died, the way he suffered was a price that was paid, a penalty that was due as a result of the sin that was placed upon him. So much so that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's John 3.16. And we've quoted that so many times. And yet we could still stand in pulpits and preach that communion be denied to anyone who believes in abortion, same-sex relationships, or capital punishment. To me, that is a gross misinterpretation of scripture and a power grab so but homeboy right here pot kettle black he sucks he should have stepped down and if you look at his picture yeah whatever he's a lunatic anyway go with me to first corinthians chapter 11 and i just want to show you some context of scripture here so 1 Corinthians chapter 11 is where Paul talks to the Corinthian church. He kind of slaps them on the wrist a little bit because they're super carnal, uh, fleshly. They're, they were acting up. Okay, So whenever it was time to holy, for, for communion, for them to get together to do communion, <laughs> I'll, I'll just read it. And I won't take too much time. I won't read everything word for word. Um, 
First Corinthians chapter 11. Let's start at um, verse 17. Uh, 18. He says, first of all, this is what he's hearing. When you come together in the church, I hear that there's divisions among you. And I partly believe it. There's heresies there and a whole bunch of shit. Verse 20. When you come together in one place, he says, this is not to eat the Lord's Supper. You're supposed to be eating the Lord's Supper, but that's not what you're doing. For in eating, every one of you takes before his own supper. And one is hungry and another one is drunk. So people are rushing together to get this bread and to get this wine. And there's a bunch of people in the back that aren't getting any bread at all. And then there's a bunch of people in the back that aren't getting any wine at all either. Because everybody in front has filled their plate and filled their cups. And they're drunk. He says, what? Don't you have houses to go eat and drink in? Now, mind you, he didn't reprimand them for being gluttons. And he didn't reprimand them for being drunk. He said, don't you have houses to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God? Or shame them that have not? What shall I say to you? Should I praise you in this? Absolutely not. Then he goes into explaining what Holy Communion is supposed to be about. He says, I've received of the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, he took the bread. This is the Lord's Supper. When he gave thanks, he break it. He says, take eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. Here's the key word. This do in remembrance of me. So every time you take the bread and you break the bread and you share it with one another, do it in remembrance of me. Here's the one rule that Jesus has given us at the, at the Last Supper. Verse 25. The same manner he took the cup. He took a drink. And he said, this cup is the new testament in my blood. Now that word testament means covenant. So we know according to the Bible, every new covenant or promise of relationship is consummated in blood. So in the Old Testament or the Old Covenant, the blood that was shed of animals was the testament it was the catalyst for that covenant. The reason why we are no longer in that covenant, the old covenant, is because there's been new blood that has been shed, and it's the blood of Christ that enters us into a new covenant with God, which is why we have the Old Testament or covenant and the New Testament or covenant. So he says the words again, as often as you drink it, in remembrance of me. Here's the rule. Okay? Verse 26. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death till he come. In other words, as often as you eat the bread and drink the cup, you're testifying of my gospel, of my death, my burial, my resurrection. You are talking about, you are remembering what I've done for you. Now, I come from a denominational church that believed that you only did Holy Communion once a month. The first Sunday of every month. That's the only time we did it. And it was a very sacred time. 
you got the Roman Catholics that do it every single service. You can have the Eucharist on a Sunday service, on a Saturday service, at a midnight service, at a wedding, at a funeral, whatever. They're taking it all the time. Why? To remember the Lord's death till he returns. Okay? It's a form of worship to remember what Christ did for you. And so Christ's rule during the Last Supper was, as often as you do this, it doesn't matter if it's every single day, there's one rule. You do it in remembrance of me. Okay? There was no denial of being able to have communion. Remember. <laughs> oh my God. These disciples that he had communion with, these 12, they denied him. They ran and they fled. They were scared for their lives because the Romans were coming to take Jesus. They were freaked out. They denied him. You know the saying, doubting Tom? Thomas denied that, you know, he was the last one to see Christ after his resurrection. He said flat out, I'm not going to believe shit until, unless I can put my, my fingers in his hands and in his feet. I want to put my finger through the holes because I saw them nail holes right through him. Unless I see that, I'm not going to believe that it's him. These are his disciples. Okay? What greater offense to God could there be other than denial of his existence? But let's keep reading, because I, I want to bring this point home. Uh, verse 27. Wherefore, or therefore, whoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily, this word here is very important, shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. Now, this word unworthily needs to be taken in context of the things that he just said before that. There was one rule. Do this in remembrance of me. Verse 28 says, let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of that cup. You examine yourself. What does that mean? You examine yourself whether or not you're worthy of taking this bread and this cup. And the only way that you're going to be worthy of taking the body and the blood of Christ is if you do it in remembrance of him. That's what makes you worthy of the communion of bread and wine. Is that you do it in remembrance of him. As you take the body, you're saying, thank you. This is the body that was broken for me. I'm acknowledging that Jesus' body was broken for me. As I drink of the wine, I'm worthy because I'm acknowledging that this is the blood that was shed for me that washes away all my sins. If I'm denied the very blood that washes me away, then I cannot be saved. Whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup unworthily shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. Examine yourself. And so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. Come on, man. And I mean, and there's several more. Um, verses, verse 31, I'll skip a couple. If we judge ourselves, we should not be judged. But when we are judged, we're chastened of the Lord. Chastened, that, that word means chastised or, or disciplined. It's like getting a slap on the wrist. 
And why would he do that? Because he loves us. So that we should not be condemned with the world. And what he means by condemned with the world means be condemned with those who do not believe. Wherefore, my brethren, when you come together to eat, wait for each other. If a man is hungry, let him go home and eat. So that we don't come together unto condemnation. In other words, if you're hungry and you're coming to get communion and you're eating the communion just so that you can fill your, bu- your belly, then that means you're eating unto condemnation because you are not discerning the Lord's body. You're not doing it in remembrance of him. You're eating the bread just so you can fill your belly. And that wasn't the point. If you're there and you're just drinking all the wine just to get drunk, then you're drinking condemnation to yourself. In other words, condemnation meaning guilt. You then become guilty of transgression or sinning against the Lord because you're not taking the wine in remembrance of him, acknowledging that the wine represents his literal blood that was shed for you that washes away your sins. The point of communion is therefore to remember the sacrifice of Jesus Christ and what it means to us as Christians and to deny a person the ability to receive the body and the blood of Christ is to deny them the chance of worship. It's denying them the chance of acknowledging the sacrifice that Jesus made for them. It's harsh. Paul said, let a man examine himself. Not let a man be examined by the crowd. Not let a man be examined by the bishops or the people in charge. Let a man examine himself. Let a man judge himself. I judge myself when I take the bread and I take the cup. I have to judge myself and say, am I doing this out of respect of the body and the blood of Christ? Or am I doing this for some ulterior motive? Am I doing this because I feel bad and I want to be forgiven for something? Then that's not the right heart either. If I'm eating and drinking just because I'm hungry, that's not the right idea either. We need to examine ourselves to make sure that when we partake of Holy Communion, we're doing it out of reverence and respect and honor for the sacrifice that Jesus made in the breaking of his body and the shedding of his blood. And without that acknowledgement, we are unworthy of partaking in communion. But here's the kicker. You can acknowledge the body and the blood of Christ and partake of it in the right way and still believe things that are different, like that abortion is fine. You can still believe in capital punishment. You can still believe in a whole lot of stuff. You can still believe in same-sex marriage and still be worthy of the body and the blood of Christ. Listen, there is no sin that is greater than the grace of God. There is no thing that you could ever do or say or think or believe that is greater than the sacrifice of Christ. And if that thing is greater, then it is greater than the blood of Christ. 
Jesus said, greater love has no man than this, that a man should lay down his life for his friends. That's what he did for us. And I just, sorry, I just don't believe that abortion is so egregious that it is the unpardonable sin, unpardonable sin. I don't believe that. I don't care what the church considers to be sin. There's a whole list that are considered to be sin. The fact is, is that Jesus died for our sins. And to deny someone Christ because of sin is asinine, is backwards. And it shows a lack of understanding or biblical knowledge of what the sacrifice of Jesus Christ was really about. Sila. All right, I'm done ranting. I'm going to go sit outside by my fire. Um, hey, if you like this kind of content, go ahead, drop us a line. Let us know, and uh, we'll keep talking about it. I just had to get that off my chest. That was like burning in my heart and my soul. Um, the, the, the links to those articles that I was reading are right in the show notes. You can get it there. And um, Check us out at unchurchedpodcast.show. Our email, Instagram, and Twitter is there uh, at unchurchedpod. And we appreciate you listening. Keep on following us for more. And we will catch you on the flip side. Love you a long time. Peace.